Welcome to Everything But Small Talk. My name is Becca and I'm here with Matea. We're two best friends having deep conversations about life, relationships, and everything. Except small talk, of course. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, If it's your first time listening, welcome. Uh, Up until this point, our podcast, we've talked about friendship, community, and today we're going to talk about childhood experiences. For those of you who have been listening, we took a bit of a break unintentionally. I'm going to chalk it up to it was summer. And I'm going to blame it all on you. (laughs) That's fine. I know it's me. I decided to just leave for the summer and just stay out of Arizona as much as I possibly could because it was like 120 degrees. Wait, we broke a record. It was like 100 and it was over 115 for like 30 days or something. Like we broke the record. Serious? Yeah, we broke the record of consecutive days above 115. For all the Arizonans listening, that could be off a little bit, but it was something crazy like that. So I was gone. I went to Minnesota. I went to Oregon, Costa Rica. I just peace out. I'll take the blame. I'll take the fall. You're uh, you're the problem. It's you. That's okay. It's me. Little little T Swift. <laughs> Wait, what? Her song that, oh, and it's like, hi, that, it's me. Hi, I'm I'm the problem. I'm the problem. Me, it's right? me. Yes. Okay. Okay. okay I think I, I got that right. No, you did. You did. I just am not a Swift. I'm a. Ca- I I mean, I'm not a Swifty either. I'm a. Ca- I would say I'm a casual. Like, whenever the song comes on, yes, like yes. I'll listen to it. But I'm not. I'm not a dedicated fan. All right. Well, I will take the blame. It's me. But we're here. We're back. We're talking about childhood experiences. We wrapped up community on our last podcast episode. Um, We're kind of starting a new series, if you will, um, talking about childhood experiences. So this kind of was like a concept in our head, in our notes way back when we wanted to start this about childhood and family. But Mm -hmm. it kind of shifted as we were preparing because I think it's a little bit of a nervous thing to like, yeah, for me, talk about, especially like in a podcast format. Well, I was going to say, like, I think back when we were planning this, we were in a very different spot. Yeah. Even though it was only like six months ago, I think, when we talked about this, I feel like so much has happened since then different conversations that you and I have had about like childhood and family. I think that has kind of shifted our perspective on how we wanted to go about this. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, there's just that other part of like, I think something we were even talking about when we wanted to start the podcast too, is like, okay, when we talk about something, it's committed to that episode, but we could totally change our mind in a week, in a month, in a year on what we had said mm-hmm. and we don't ever want to like commit ourselves to one thing. And for me, it's just childhood just seems we're learning so much just as a society too, about ourselves and being like our generation being a little more reflective and we're just vulnerable all together as a, yeah. 
So I think that's kind of what came to my mind. But let's kind of talk about why both of us wanted to to talk about this topic. Um, for me, I'm a big processor. Like I do a little bit internally, but a lot of it is external. So like I just love to talk to people about how what I'm processing. And I think I take day-to-day experiences that I have moments, people, interactions, whatever have you. And I just am constantly processing it and comparing it to other experiences I've had or other ideas that I've had. Or um, I also am like a problem solver. So I feel like I'm constantly trying to problem solve even my own ideas or my own experiences um, and kind of give a reason to them. Like, mm. to, to I think to understand my experiences. And so because of that, I think a lot of my processing goes back to, well, why did I respond this way? Is it because of something I learned back in back in my childhood or back in some other experience? So I think a lot of my processing today is informed by my previous experiences, which would be a lot of my childhood. Um, but also, it's becoming more of a topic, like I mentioned earlier, on TikTok, on Instagram, on social media. Mm-hmm. our generation is kind of coming forward and talking more about this and being more vulnerable about like, and I think even our generation is having kids now too. And so they're processing like a lot of things I see too are parenting tips and, you know, those jokes about TikTok of like, I'm breaking the generational cycle of like some yeah. silly thing, right? Like asking for a toy in the store and being told no, but then you know what I'm saying? Like things like yeah. that. So it's just on my mind a lot more and prevalent. But then also um, my mom, like thinking back more on it, like my mom shared a little bit about her childhood, but didn't want to process it. And so it wasn't something we talked about. So I feel like I'm in this balance of like, I was raised to not talk about it. Like, or I was shown that you don't really talk about it. You just kind of move on. It's something you ha- happened to you. You maybe reflect on positive things, but we don't really talk about the negative. And then now in my life, we're talking about it as a generation. I want to talk about it. I want to process it. But then I feel this like pull of, is that bad? Am I talking bad about my mm. my mom? Am I talking, reflecting poorly or negatively on something that doesn't need to be brought up or you know what I'm saying yeah yep so I think those are kind of the reasons that kind of came to my mind about why we want to talk about this I I agree with a lot of what you said I I would consider myself a deep thinker and processor as well Um, even as a child like I remember just different experiences I had or interactions, I would be very observant of what was happening with other people, mm-hmm. how I was with other people. Um, and I think too, which I'll get into later, like with my tendency towards like wanting to be like the best version mm-hmm. of myself. Yeah. I think part of that I know is that I have to like reflect back and like see what are the things that have like come together that can 
like help me understand yep. why I think the way that I do or the why I did that thing. Um, Cause it's not but separate. It, is, it, it all informs it's not. It. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so connected. And I think so much of like both of our experiences, even probably just within the past year, we have been learning even mm. more how much every little thing from our past is so connected to our present. Right. And I think it is very hard when you're like for us and a lot of people our age trying to process our childhoods because a lot of us grew up in households where that wasn't very common. You know, parents didn't talk about their childhood or how that, you know, informed them. And I do think that it is something that is becoming more common. And we're hoping that on this episode, this is just like another instance where hopefully through our vulnerability and our transparency, we can encourage you listeners to start processing or, you know, continue in that processing journey and being willing to just open up in different spaces when it feels appropriate and right. Because I think that it's through our vulnerability that we can better connect with others. Right. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know us, um, we just want to share a little bit about our childhood and what it was like and what we remember So I think we kind of want to share a little bit about our reflection um, throughout this episode um, and just share some thoughts or questions or ideas. Like, I don't, again, I don't think we have this figured out. I don't think, (laughs) I don't know if we ever will, but I think uh, it would be an interesting experiment to kind of get this out and kind of share our processing with you. But, um, okay, so a little bit about me. Um, I will just start off by kind of giving a little bit of a caveat to mine. I was raised by a single mom and I didn't have my dad present in my life and my mom never remarried. So I just had one parent Um, and she passed away when I was 21. So for me, reflecting on my childhood, I've realized is pretty is kind of difficult because I don't I don't have anyone to like ask questions you know when you have like memories I don't know do you have that but where you're like you have memories and you're like did it happen this way and you ask your parents yeah like or siblings yeah yeah or siblings like what and I yeah and I was an only child so like I, I remember certain things and I process it unfortunately through the child version of the experience right and I like try and put pieces together as an adult and I'm like eh, maybe maybe this is how it really went down <laughs> but so that's kind of like the caveat to my my memories and processing but yeah so I was an only child I had a single mom I never met my dad um, my mom didn't have any you know really any serious relationships she didn't really have any boyfriends that I could recall um and then I have a pretty small extended family on my mom's side and they're pretty spread out, like not very close growing up. Um, but I was, my mom lived in income-based housing when I was a kid and it was designed specifically for single moms. So there was a bunch of single moms living in townhouses with just a bunch of kids, right? Like largely unsupervised. So a lot of my childhood was me and just a bunch of other kids running around this neighborhood uh, 
which I think my experiences, unmonitored children living in somewhat of a vulnerable environment, right? We all don't have dads, low income, whatever have you may be going on. So there was a lot of things that I saw or heard that definitely wasn't age appropriate looking back that I think informed a lot of my childhood. Um, But also, I think just the fact that my mom was a single mom informed a lot of it, too, because she had a lot of people that she had to rely on. So um, like we had she had a lot of work friends. She was a nurse. So she had a lot of um, I mean, she worked 12 hour shifts, so they became close. Um, And a lot of them ended up being single moms, too. Or I don't know if she gravitated towards single moms, but um, and then she was pretty heavily involved in certain churches uh, as I was growing up and so created kind of communities there. But a lot of my childhood was if my mom was working a 12 hour shift, where else would I go? But either a, a friend that wasn't working, like a coworker of hers or someone from church. And I remember just being at a bunch of different people's houses, which would now, ref- this is something that I reflect on is Man, were those people's houses and cultures and just environments vastly different, right? It was like different from my home. Um, I would go to another single mom's home where there was a bunch of kids, or I would go to a a church home, which most of them were two-parent homes, and just like the stark contrast, if you will, of like being unmonitored as a child running around to like going to spend the weekend with a husband and a wife with their children, having dinner at the table, you know, not allowed to watch PG-13 movies, just like different things like that. So um, I think a lot of that informs my upbringing, just like an overview of my experience. And I would say, what do we, I think we classified our childhood as birth to adolescence. Yeah. Right. So that's just my birth to adolescence experiences. Yeah. So when you like, I have a follow up question. Like, were you at the time like aware of like the differences in households? Like, did that like affect you at the time? Oh, absolutely. Because I think I had them from day one. I think I experienced those differences from as young as I could remember and then always had them. So, and I'll talk about this a little later, but I think that I was always aware of it because I never knew which version of myself I had to be to fit into that environment, Mm. right? Because it's like, okay, well, if I'm running around crazy in the neighborhood and seeing things or hearing things that aren't age appropriate, but feeling the need to fit in, I would adapt to that environment, but then you can't bring that back to maybe a Christian, some Christian household that had routine and was cleanly and like organized and, you know, didn't use cuss words or, you know, whatever have you, or like aren't allowed to watch certain movies or whatever. And I was like, prided myself on being a really good kid because my mom would stress that like, hey, these people are taking care of you. You better be on your best behavior, right? Like be a good representation of us. So I think I always was aware of that, whatever I needed to be. Yeah. But yeah, 
how as a child did it affect you being an only child and how does that affect you today yeah that's that is a good question it's something i've been trying to reflect on a little bit more lately um and i think what i'm kind of grasping at is a little bit of like lost identity because i feel this is just my my thought process on if a group of siblings would move from one environment to the other because i didn't have that so it's like a thought if if you move together you would have some sort of consistency or like grounding to where it was like okay well my sibling is going to always be this way. I'm always going to be this way. This is how we're going to relate to one another. Like that relationship dynamic will always be there and isn't going to change. So if the environment's changing, then at least you have that, right? Maybe you maybe you both change to the environment slightly, but like you at least have that consistency. Um, And I didn't have that. So I felt like very ungrounded, I think. And so I think now that's caused me a lot of identity like who even am I if I Mm. am never if I was never one thing if I was like constantly this because there was no Mm. consistency I think is how I am like currently I don't have an answer but that's currently what I'm I question but what about you tell us a little bit about your childhood birth to adolescent Becca Becca Mm. yeah so I Grew up in a divorced, blended household. Uh, my parents got divorced when I was four. Um, I honestly don't remember a lot from my childhood, um, especially the early years. Um, I don't know if you had mentioned that, like if that's kind of similar to you. I don't know if you. No man, you remember I feel like I lot? remember everything. Oh yeah. wow i I have a lot of gaps in my memory. Um, which I've been exploring a little bit. I'm just like on the cusp of like exploring what that means and why that is. Right, right. Um, Because my husband has like a great memory, like Mm -hmm. remembers so many little things. Mm -hmm. Anyways, so what I do remember is right after the divorce, moving around a lot, um, both my parents moved into apartments. And then it was like after that, moving into houses again, Um, So there was a lot of just like moving around um, and yeah. So with that, I have a, you know, grew up in a blended family. My parents eventually got remarried. Um, I have eight siblings. Man, Um, so jealous. (laughs) You know, what I wouldn't give. (laughs) It's funny though, because like I sometimes will forget how many there are Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. there's so many of us. Right. Um, And they're from different sides. So I have step siblings on both sides. And then I have um, younger half siblings on my dad's side. So I had a real and full siblings. So I had a unique experience of not only dealing with so many different like personalities and relationships, but I also had the unique experience of being the youngest when I was in my mom's house and then Mm. being the middle child on my dad's. But at times, depending on living situations, I was also like filled the 
eldest mm-hmm. sibling role, mm-hmm. which I'll get into that. So, which is a whole other thing. I think birth order thing. is so fascinating. Oh my gosh, it's so fascinating. And because which is crazy I've when been... you think about the blended family thing, right? Totally. It, yeah. Yes. And then when you like consider like where certain siblings live based on like custody and who's where, mm-hmm. like it changes. So I don't like when I've like process that I don't see myself fitting in one specific like tendency like yeah yeah I'm kind of like a hybrid of all of it do you think Um, it okay quick question do you think I have to ask my questions in the middle because I have that's fine no concept of holding on to them so do you find though that maybe you're not that overall like that characteristic but do you find that you are that characteristic with that sibling so like with your full siblings and you're the youngest do you feel like you adapt to that role but then with your half siblings and you're the oldest do you feel like you adapt to those characteristics like at least the relational Mm. dynamic um wow that's a really good question because when I, would, I, I mean, just as a friend and I see it, yeah. I think you do. <laughs> I think you do. I, I think I, I think I do, but I also think it depends on the relationship, okay. I would say, because there was a lot that like happened like growing up, like, mm-hmm. so growing up in my younger years, there was like, we were, we spent the majority of the time with my mom, my mm-hmm. dad, we only went to his house. I think it was like every other weekend. Mm-hmm. And so like in the span of a month, we mm-hmm. only were with him like six days, mm-hmm. six to eight days. Um, and then I, like, obviously as time went on, like my dad had, you know, he got remarried and had a few kids. And like, I also had on my mom's side, like step siblings that like we grew up together and then. So there just was like a Mm -hmm. lot that was changing. Mm -hmm. And I think as like, to get to the answer to your question, I think also growing up now as an adult, like I get what you're saying. Like you kind of adapt in your relationship, but there is a little bit of that like familiarity because Mm -hmm. you have that common ground Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. shared experiences. Mm -hmm. So I honestly just think it depends on the relationship. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of going back, like, I don't remember a ton from my younger years. I do. I think, unfortunately, a lot of the memories that I do have are unfortunately negative. Um, and I remember being very sad a lot of the times, like Mm -hmm. I can remember like many nights, like crying in my bed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, I didn't fully understand this at the time, but I like felt just this intense grief of the fact Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. my parents weren't together and I didn't live in one household like a lot of my other friends did. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I like at that age, like felt that brokenness, but I didn't have language for it. Um, And with having a divorce blended family, like I look back and there was like a lot of different like changes that happened with different, like new family members being added or new marriages. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of like, just kind of 
instability and change within my home life. So I like, in a, as a child, like, I think I comforted myself mm. by finding a safe space in my mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would oftentimes like escape to my room and that would be kind of like, okay, I can't control anything else outside of this room, but like right here in my room, yeah. like I can control this. Um, which is so, so interesting. Cause I wonder, cause for me, I I like always wanted to be with someone because I felt so alone all the time because it was just me. Mm. Right. And it was always, I mean, even if I was surrounded by other people, like going to their house, I still felt alone because I didn't have a shared experience with anyone. So it's interesting thinking if there's like, however many kids were in the house and the dynamic, you're like, I just need to get away. And I just was always in the shared space, like anyone be with me. anyone. Wow. Yeah. There, I, that's definitely like the opposite. I was like yeah. wanting alone time. And when I was at my dad's I shared a room and at different points, it was with one of my sisters at my older sister or my younger sister. And at my mom's, I had, once we had moved houses, I think when I was eight years old, I finally got my own room. And so I definitely felt like a breath of fresh air whenever I was able to like yeah. go into that room. Right. Um, Because like, we had, there's so many of us, so oh, many yeah. different personalities. Like we did have the normal sibling, you know, yeah, yeah. good and bad relationships. And so, yeah. Um, so kind of fast forward, like another change that was pretty big in my family dynamic was I, I made the decision that I wanted to live 50, 50 with my mom and dad. And through that, I started to develop a closer relationship with my stepmom um, closer relationship with my younger half siblings. Um, unfortunately when I was 14, my stepmom and my dad got a divorce and that was really emotional in a lot of ways for me and my full older siblings, because it just kind of like, it was that reality of like, oh my gosh, like our younger siblings are going to go through what we went through and are going through because they were the same age that me and my brother were, they were four and six. So me and my older siblings, it was four, six, eight when our parents got divorced. And then with the second divorce, it was four and six. Um, but at that time, like I was the only Oh, I was the oldest sibling in that household at the time. My older siblings were living at my mom's full time. And so like, I kind of became this like pseudo parental figure for my younger siblings. Like I remember helping with meals, reminding them to get their Mm. pajamas on, like putting, helping them to bed, like playing with them. It was like, it was a lot. And Mm. there was a lot that kind of shifted and changed in me as well. Um, This is a side note, but at the same time, I was also changing schools that year. Mm. So there was a lot of change happening to me going into high school at 14. Um, At 14. It was a terrible age to do that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But like, despite all of like, the changes and dynamics in my home life. Um, I was very like 
privileged and thankful to mm-hmm. be able to experience a lot of different things. My my family loved to travel. We did a lot of camping growing up. We did a lot of road trips, um, specifically to California because I have an extended family there. And we did some international trips too. And so mm-hmm. it just was like a lot of, I do have a lot of good fond memories oh, yeah. of mm-hmm. those. Um, but I was going to ask you, what are some of like the fond memories that you have? I just think it was like, even though the experience of growing up with a bunch of kids and us being just like free range children in this neighborhood, I just like still look back when you were talking about, um, like helping your younger siblings, it kind of hit me. I was like, oh man, I feel like I had that, but with other kids in the neighborhood. Right. Mm. So like we would there was all these different ages. Right. And I think we tended to be me and the group of kids that I hung out with that were my age tended to fall in the middle. So there was a lot of older kids that were like teenagers, but then there were some younger kids that I think we felt this responsibility for. So I I have a lot of good memories of us just getting into trouble, but like having fun, you know, doing it and, and just, you know, as a kid being unmonitored, you know, there were some bad things that happened that, you know, you probably should have been monitored, but then there was a lot of great times <laughs> that we had because the parents weren't around to tell us not to do it. But, um, right. but yeah, I think just generally growing up with like a bunch of kids around was really fun. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we did take a couple trips, but we didn't take a lot of trips, I would say. I think it was mainly just like I felt like I was just constantly playing from like two to nine. I just like was always outside playing. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. So to kind of like take these chunks of like overviews of our lives um, or our childhood a little to get a little bit more into how we think it shaped us now, um, which I feel like we both kind of touched on a little bit, but just trying to like process the overview of what we shared for me I for me I think I grew up in such a diverse world like there was cultural diversity race diversity just socioeconomic statuses that I was privy to even different religions like we ended up moving from that complex when I was nine and lived in the inner city for a year or two. And that was also just like so vastly different for me to go from, I was kind of living in a suburb before and then going into the city and just like experiencing in Minneapolis, it's very diverse. I was one of three white kids in my third grade class, fourth grade class. So that was like a whole, and a lot of different languages too and a lot of different religions and so that was I I loved the fact that I grew up that way because I think that informs such a great part of myself a part that I really admire about myself that I I can just nothing is different for me this is just what my life has always been is just the diversity and just feeling comfortable around any different environment um I I I think in my notes I put like I feel like a chameleon a little bit you know like yeah so so that's a benefit right to experience Mm -hmm. all those things like um all in one just life but then 
I think the negative to that maybe what I was kind of referring to earlier is um, I just ended up being whatever I needed to be in whatever environment I was in. And I think that was, I think, I think I did have to do it to actually survive in a sense of like the outward experiences that I was having um, to just like fit in or engage in those experiences Mm -hmm. that I was in. But I think a lot of it was emotional for me. Like, I think I needed to do it internally to process myself and my experiences, Um, which it just hit me, this concept, this year. And I was always, like, recently, I was wondering as an adult, like, why, why am I not sure who I am or why am I, why do I act different with different people or, like... The thing that got me is why can I sit here and have a conversation with one person and feel totally myself? It doesn't matter what the who the person is as long as it's one-on-one. But then if I sit at a dinner table with like literally three or four of my, cl- again, my closest friends and have no idea what to say or what to talk about or how to act. And I was like trying to process, I think up until my life, I just tracked it up to like, oh, I'm an introvert. I just, I'm quiet. I like to like be one-on-one. But I think the more I've been processing it is like, no, it's because I'm a different person with each of those people. And when they all get together, I don't know who I'm supposed to be. Like I just get so overwhelmed and like in my head. So I think that's something I'm trying to process is like, okay, how can I be who I am? Well, first of all, who am I? <laughs> who do I want to be? And then how can I be that? Because <laughs> I have no idea. But how can I be that with everyone? How can I right. be that same person with every experience that I have? You know, and I think, you know, we know we change slightly with different people that we're with. That's what I'm talking about. I'm like a whole different person. So I think that's something that I'm processing. And then... um, One other thing is like, I am super, my whole, well, in my adult life, I've struggled with this like discontentment is something that Mm. even I should talk about with my husband is like, why am I constantly just like discontent or like uncomfortable with the mundane life? Um, And I think reflecting now too, that's something that I experienced from my childhood because there was zero consistency, right? Like, Whenever I was at home, my mom wasn't really a routine person. I didn't really have a routine. I was constantly going to different people's houses, so different actual physical environments, different relational environments, um, different expectations of me in those environments. Um, So a lot of just like inconsistencies and also no long-term relationships whatsoever. Like every couple of years, those those like reliable communities of ours would change. Right. And then I didn't have siblings. So there, I didn't have long-term relationships in that sense. And then I, you you think that you have long-term relationships with your parents at least, but then when I was 21, my mom passed. So even as, you know, a young adult and now being 30 processing that and saying like, holy cow, like I've never really had like a long, I don't even know what that means to have like a long-term relationship. So um, I think that's something I wrestle with now too, because there's obviously environments in which I'm, you know, I'm married, for example, I'm like hoping that's a long-term relationship, but like 
the dynamic in your head and is just like that someone could be there for longer than however many years you know is a foreign concept for me personally but but yeah I think so to kind of correlate all the things I mentioned about my childhood like experiences that's kind of what I'm currently processing those like two or three things Mm. but you look like you have questions for me no I I'm just I'm processing a lot of what I know about you and like kind of trying to like connect some dots with hearing do you see those things or is it just me I know I do see those things and I see other things too um that'll be a later episode (laughs) that'll be later no but like I've obviously heard your story before but like there's things that you're reminding me of and Mm. I think another thing that you didn't really like you kind of started to touch on but I would say this is like it's a positive I think because you've experienced so many different people and environments, mm-hmm. you are very adaptable mm-hmm. and also very welcoming of all people. Mm. I think that you accept people really well, like yeah. where they're at. Yeah. But like it causes you to want to understand them better, which right, I think right. is why you like deep conversations. You like yeah. to like, really ask you ask really good thoughtful questions and Mm. I think it's because you're intrigued to hear Mm. where people come from and why they are the way that they are um yeah to that point I think yeah I think that what I would say about it is and correct me if I'm wrong but I I again this this is just my processing looking at other people's lives, a lot of people, if they did have consistency and they grew up with the same people in the same environment. So like I have a really good friend who like grew up in the same house with the same community at school, at church, family, like there wasn't much change or other new experiences coming into that environment. And so for me, like the world or or people or life doesn't look one way it has looked Mm. so many different ways for me that when I meet a new experience or a new person or dynamic that is and I haven't experienced it yet that's exciting to me and that's something that's intriguing and my natural growing up was just okay tell me about that I haven't experienced that I know I know there's not one way to live life or one you know viewpoint because I've experienced so many, this is a new one. I haven't heard it. Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're very open-minded that way. Yeah. So a question I have for you is, what about your childhood that has made you who you are? Are you trying to change Mm. going forward? Yeah, I think right now, personally I don't think it's more of I don't know if it's like an outward thing that other people would be aware of necessarily but for me personally I think it's the adapting piece like I am it's exhausting constantly changing and Mm -hmm. because it's not just like how you physically act or how you speak or what you do like even hobbies or interests like I just always have been like well whatever you want like I'll I'm totally like up for it let's do it 
but like, what do I want? What do I like? What, who am I? What are my thoughts and my opinions without being nervous to offend someone or um, feeling like I need to be agreeable maybe? Um, So I think for me, it's more this internal thing of like having a voice maybe or being confident, which is so, I know we've talked about this before. And I know people, I've had this conversation with people recently too, is like people have told me that they're surprised that I'm, I feel not like I'm not confident because I come across as confident. Mm-hmm. Like you and I yeah. talked about that. And I just actually yeah. had that conversation with my sister-in-law, but like, yeah, just this confidence internally, right? Like, so maybe I present myself as confident or I'm confident in certain things, but like internally I don't feel confident in who I am. I don't know who I am. And so I think that's something that I want to change. Um, going forward yeah but I don't know if that's different for many people right I mean I think that's life um I mean I I wouldn't say that everybody has that like I don't think everybody comes across as confident and no I mean like the internal part well no I mean the internal part where it's like we're all just trying to figure out who we are oh yeah yeah but for me I'm like I'm going to figure it out. <laughs> I probably won't, but that's like my approach. I'm like, that's my goal in one year. But yeah, tell tell me a little bit about, or us, how you are reflecting on your experiences. Yeah. So there's a lot from growing up that has kind of shaped who I am today. I think where I'm at right now is I think that there's definitely a lot of experiences that have made me be very independent Mm -hmm. and a responsible person. Mm -hmm. Um, I would attribute that to like my parents parenting me, like both of them definitely instilled like, you know, being responsible and doing things yourself. Um, And then I think even just the circumstances, like the one with, you know, taking care of like my younger siblings, I had to grow up really fast. And I, I think a lot of times felt like a lot of my needs had to kind of be pushed to the side or I had to handle it myself. So there's like a pro and con to that because I have had to learn recently how to like, let people help me too. Like, I don't Mm. have to just do it all myself. Um, I think another thing is I always had and always still have a realistic view of life. Like I'm mm-hmm. not an optimist at all. Mm. Um, and I think growing up, I saw like an, I had people who would say that I was being negative or mm-hmm. pessimistic. Mm-hmm. Um, I would disagree as I reflect back. I've been telling my like childhood self, like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you weren't negative, you were realistic. Like life is hard. Like there's a lot that's outside of our control and it's not all roses. Um, and I knew that and saw that from a very young age that life is not like, you know, always great. Um, and I think that serves me today of just like, I go into different situations with a very like level head, 
of knowing like, you know, oh, it's, you know, it's not always going to work out great. Like, and I think that helps me kind of temper like certain expectations. And I think it helps inform like my decision-making. Um, I like obviously talked about how a lot of my home life and different relationships like changed. Um, and because there was so much like what I would label as like chaos, I would want so desperately to control certain things Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. I had in my hands. Like I became, you know, very perfectionist in school in sports. And so I have like this high expectation of myself to try and be the best that I can be to try and be perfect, which I know is not (laughs) like, it's, I know that that's never going to happen. Right, right. Um, Doesn't mean you can't try. <laughs> I know I can still try. I can try and, you know, reach for that. Um, but it's like that in tandem with like trying so desperately to like control situations. Yeah. Now that I am an adult and there's a lot that's more under my, you know, control. Right. I I think I'm learning that like, that's Mm. kind of a false sense of control. Mm. Like, yes, I'm making more decisions, but there is still so much in my world that is not in my control. And it, and it bothers me so bad because I'm like, I'm finally an adult. I want to be able to have the say and like dictate what's going on. Um, Okay. Questions. Yes. Okay. Do you, um, because you have those things that go hand in hand, for me, it feels like a little bit of a double-edged sword where you're like, okay, things I want things to be perfect and I feel like I have control. When things don't go the way you want them to go, do you feel a, like you're the failure? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I, this is so fascinating because I think John, my husband, is very similar to that. And it's just like a concept I cannot comprehend because my life was so volatile and like I had no control. I don't think anyone around had control. Life is just going to take you <laughs> where it wants to take you. But um, do, OK, so then my next question is reflecting back where you felt like you had no control as a child and you wanted your life to look a certain way. Does that give you as an adult now that you don't have, you know, maybe you don't have that control over life or anyone has that control over life. Do you look at your parents differently and your childhood and the dynamic? Wow. Um, I, that's such a good question. I would say that I am definitely I've just kind of started to get into that space. And I think a lot of that has to do with now being a parent. Yep. There's a lot that I am becoming more gracious and understanding of my Mm -hmm. parents Mm -hmm. and seeing that it doesn't really matter. I mean, Mm -hmm. it does matter what you do, but there is so much even beyond that, that like you just cannot Mm -hmm. understand. You cannot predict, um, it's very, yeah, it's very interesting. So I'm, yeah. I'm currently in that phase yeah. of kind of processing that to your other point though, about like the like dynamic of like the control and the perfectionist and that kind of pointing to like, I'm the one to blame. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I do have that intense fear of like failure. And I do often blame myself and very hard on myself. Um, I, I forgot to talk about this, but growing up, I, I had this, this belief that I know is a lie, Mm -hmm. but it was an intense belief that I had that it was my fault that the Mm. divorce was my Mm. fault. Oh yeah. I, that I wasn't enough, that there was something wrong with me that made all of this happen, which I, I've heard other people from divorced families have that same kind of struggle. Um, and so I think that plays into a lot of my life Mm. where I think Mm -hmm. like, I even can think of circumstances right now that I'm dealing with and I am wrestling with this idea of like looking back at a decision mm-hmm. I made mm-hmm. and feeling like if I hadn't have done that, yeah, it wouldn't like this wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Like, and right. I'm, I failed and I dropped the ball and it's like all this shame that just gets compiled on me. Right. Um, and I think, yeah. so to your point, I also felt that way not from a divorced home, but like, where's my dad? Why is he not in my life? It must be me, right? The personal thing. But to your example, I think it's interesting. Do you, can you separate or do you think it's important to separate? Okay, this happened and it says something about who I am as a person versus this happened and it says something about the action I took. I mean, you're saying a lot of good things. (laughs) Maybe this could be a different conversation. Yeah. Well, I just think like even because I mean, if we're reflecting on our childhoods, there are so many things that were maybe said to us. And I think children, I think this is why it's hard and scary to reflect on your childhood, because to your point of control, I would say maybe adults are in control over certain things in their life or aspects to a point. Right. Mm -hmm. Me being an adult myself, or I don't know, you could speak to this better as being a parent. So, but as a child growing up, there's just this vulnerability of like, you have no say over pretty much anything to uh, a high degree. Right. And so Mm -hmm. if you're interpreting the experiences that are happening to you or around you, it's not really based off your actions. It's based off your identity and what people say or think about you, right? And so, but as an adult, to your point of like the things that you're going through now and like the decisions versus the identity of you. Mm-hmm. Because I think, you know, I think as an adult, it's that's something that I wrestle with too, is like, okay, when I go through something and experience or someone says something or does something that I, you know, it makes me reflect on, I think my natural response is, what does that say about me as a person? And I think I'm trying to work on letting that go. Like it has nothing to do with me as a person. Right. right? It might just be the exchange or the interaction or the situation. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is like a balance though. Like it's hard to find that line of like, our culmination of actions kind of point to our identity, but like one single action doesn't necessarily say that like, this is who you are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. There's so much I could say about that. I think kind of to like another point that I think 
is related. Um, because I've dealt with so many changes growing up, I have a natural like aversion to big change in life. It just kind of like makes me feel unstable. Like I don't like it. But then at the same time, <laughs> this is like doesn't make sense. But at the same time, I feel very uncomfortable when there's not change. <laughs> Does right. that make sense? sense. It's so strange. I'm still trying yeah. to figure out who I am. You said you're right. trying to figure out yourself. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out who I am. Cause there's so many dichotomies. Like even before I'm like looking at my notes and I'm like, I have a realistic view of life, but then it's like, I have this very unrealistic expectation of myself right, right, to want right. to control everything right. and be perfect. Oh man. But I think that's just the complexity of who we are as human beings. Um, and then the last thing I would say that is a positive is I, I'm a natural like listener and mediator. Um, and there was a lot growing up that whether intentionally or unintentionally, I kind of became the mediator between different relationships. Um, and then also there was a lot growing up because there were so many people you, it was hard to like fight for the attention, like to have a voice to be listened to. And oftentimes I kind of wasn't, I, I felt, I think a lot of times I wasn't heard right. and didn't have like space to speak. And so mm -hmm. I became a natural listener, I think through that. Um, so it was kind of like certain, like maybe hard situations that kind of developed into a good quality trait. So yeah, there you go, man. This is so funny because as I'm like listening to this, I don't know if other people will take that. We are so different. Well, in this dynamic, like when we're breaking it down, like you literally just hit three things in a row that I was like, I'm the opposite of that. I'm literally like, you uh, love change. Don't I you love change? Yeah. I need it. Literally, and for all of our listeners, I'm not talking like <laughs> little changes and I'm not talking like a lot of time in between. I'm talking like life altering decisions, changes, <laughs> like three weeks apart. This is why I was gone all summer. I didn't plan any of that. I just was like, nah, I'm going to go to Minnesota for three weeks. Man, I'm going to drive my car to Portland. Just let's just go. I I don't who needs to live in a routine life in the same place all the time with the same people. Not me. Jokes on me though. That's life. You have to do that. Um, <laughs> but what was the, you said the the last thing that you said? Oh, not like not having a voice or like feeling like you're heard because there was and I reflecting there's so many people in your in any of your households and dynamics and relationships and it's taught you something now being an adult <laughs> hello only child listen to all the time anything <laughs> I wanted to do anything I said I was and then one parent too I was her pride and joy I could do no wrong and I was awesome at everything in her eyes so then naturally I'm the I'm awesome in my eyes. Everything that comes out of my mouth is gold. Um, literally Enneagram, right? Like for people, I don't know. I don't know all the Enneagrams. I just know what number I am. I'm a four. Um, 
I think it's called The Individualist. There's no one out there like me. I think it's an only child syndrome. I don't know. (laughs) But literally, and then to reflect, it's hard for me in life. Now I have to be out here with all these other people that have brilliant thoughts and ideas and no one thinks mine. I'm not, you know what I'm saying? I mean, some people do, but like, I'm not the the center of everything. Right. That is correct. But I will say that you... It's a little earth shattering, just so you know. There's... It's false, though. A lot of people do see that you have a lot to say, oh, that you yes. do have great ideas. I understand. Okay. But saying. then with that, you are still a really great listener and you ask such great questions. And that's yeah. hard to find it in someone. Like, that's very unique. So, like, I'm going to throw yeah. my husband under the bus. My husband can talk anybody's ear off together. He's a horrible just... listener. He's a you horrible You two are so listener. funny. There, there are a couple couples that I've been around where it's like the husband or what it doesn't matter who it is one of them is interrupting the other one and you can always know who gets interrupted a lot because there's always like the one who gets interrupted is like pausing and staring at the other one and then the other one's like oh I'm so sorry I interrupted you it's like a point of contention (laughs) for them um that's you guys (laughs) for sure you and Kyle um no, but yeah, like I get it. I know I'm, you know, a good listener or things like that. But I just mean, it's funny. Like you'd have to ask my husband, even, you know, my my sister that I live with. Everything revolves around me in the confines of my home. It's hard to break <laughs> out of. I like it's 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 my mom set me up for failure. She loved me too hard. <laughs> I mean, it's but then there's also the part of it of like, like going back to last week's episode of like, if you haven't listened, go listen to it. We both are, we have dreamed to live together with our families um, and live communally. Um, you grew up as an only child yeah. and it was just you and your mom. You didn't even have mm-hmm. a dad or a father figure. Right. And now you have this deep desire to live with more people. Yeah. Uh, so there's th- that thrown in the mix. Like, yeah, you you want it your way and your center. What is it? What did yep. you even say? You center of attention. I don't even know if you Apple said that. Apple of her eye. Apple just of her the, eye. I was just perfect. I probably I, I wasn't I not probably I wasn't perfect. Everything that came out of my mouth wasn't <laughs> a brilliant thing as a child, but she thought it was. Oh, man, it set me up. Anyway, working through that. But. Uh, okay, so to to that point, from the top, this is kind of our childhood, what we experience. This is what um, we're processing. Now, I th- I don't I don't think processing your childhood is for everyone. I really don't. I don't think it's something that you necessarily have really? to do. I mean, I just don't like going back to the thing about like I don't know. My viewpoint changes like every day so no keep going explain though because I I disagree but I want to hear why you think that why it's not for everyone I just think that like you can live life I don't think there's a certain thing you have to do to live life well Hmm. if that makes sense like I don't think like if you want to go through life and you're like content and happy and you're not like actively harming yourself or anyone else in any capacity emotionally whatever and you don't want to process that stuff great like I don't unless it you know what I'm saying maybe you find another means who am I to to tell someone what I think they need to 
you know, live a beneficial life or happy life. But for me, it's, and it's not for me, it's not something I've like sought out. It's something that I just naturally was doing in my head. No. I mean, it's fascinating to hear you say that because I, I disagree. I think everybody, not that I'm forcing everybody to, they have to be at the right place in their life to, because it's a lot, it's very heavy to process your childhood and it comes with a lot of emotions. And so I think you need to be in a right like place in your life and have the right support to do that because it can be a lot, but I think that it's so beneficial. I've seen the benefits in myself. I've seen the benefits in my husband, in close friends and family. I think that there's a lot of healing that comes from revisiting your childhood and seeing how those experiences have shaped your present. Hmm. I think it helps you. I, I, for myself, I'll just speak personally. I think it has made me a better human being. I think it's made me a better person and it's helped me to your point. It's helped me to understand my identity more and who I am versus what happened to me, kind of piecing those things out. And I think that is going to help me going forward to have like, a more, I don't know, more informed future and more informed decisions. Yeah, I see it, but I don't think it's the only way. I think that, I think that you could successfully complete life without it. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a you failed. Yeah. But I do think it's beneficial. It's, it's one of, one of many things I would, you know, encourage people to do. Um, but I mean, to your point though, I would just say like, um, I think it was key when you said support and the right time in life, because I would say there have been seasons in which I've tried to process in my life my childhood and I didn't have people around me or the support and I, it was unhealthy. Right. Lonely, scary, overwhelming, too emotional, you know, sent me a little bit in a negative. So I would say to your point, support and a good community. Yeah. Well, that leads us right into our kind of yeah last thing of like what's helped you in your processing journey yeah so yeah so people for sure around um for me personally uh counseling has helped I don't think I would say for me that it's the thing like I don't think it's bigger than the rest of the things like I think all these things are pretty equal for me and they're all made up of these little pieces make it possible for me so counseling um, aspects of it have been helpful. Um, being around, um, my nephew has surprisingly like been huge for me. So if, for those of you who don't know, I don't have children of my own, but my 11 year old nephew lives with us and, um, his mom lives with us. And just seeing that dynamic, she's a single mom. Um, he's an only child. So it it's, it hits home for me where I'm just like, 
okay, this there's similarities here between this dynamic and how I was raised and yeah. just the loneliness that I know he feels and expresses and the dynamic that he has between going with his dad's family and with us and having to be like two different people and not having this like grounding consistency. Um, it just takes me back. And I think I'm not going to compare it to having my own child, but I think that there are aspects of it where like, just if you, if you're a parent and you have your own children, just smacks you across the face. You're like, Mm -hmm. dang, that hit hard. Like just having visions or memories or emotions or feelings back to you, your childhood. Um, so I think that's been huge for me to, because I feel something different for him that I than I feel for myself. Like we're a lot harder on ourselves, right? So if I look at him and I'm like, man, that experience was really shitty for him to experience. And then I'm like, wait, I had a similar experience. I need to be a little bit more compassionate to myself. So that's been helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then having those trusted longstanding friendships just recently in my life has been wild for me because it's not something I've ever experienced like I mentioned earlier so it's like it's just growing something in me I'm not quite sure what it is yet but I just know that it's affecting me in a a positive way I'll have to share at a later date I don't know how but I just can feel it and then um, I've recently reconnected with some of my extended family I think that's been helpful especially with not having a parent to ask questions to Um, they've been helpful in in certain avenues and then um i recently started taking um some medication for um just like i have some rumination where i just kind of my thought process goes kind of down this deep dark hole of i need to find the answer to everything into life and it slowed my processing down a little bit to where i focus on one thing at a time and that's been immensely life changing just like mm-hmm being able to actually process fully one thing um, and maybe not even fully and just being content without processing it to its end. Um, So I think, again, in total, all of those things have contributed to my, my processing. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it does. I would agree. I think from my list as well, I would say that it's a combination of all of the things. So, and we have very similar things just we written do. in different ways. It's so funny. Yeah, we do. And like, I, sorry, I'm just going to try and go through this quickly because a lot of it's repeats. I would agree counseling, therapy. Um, I think that it, I would say, and I think you started to say this. I don't think that like it has to be therapy. Like, I don't think you have right. to do that to process yeah. your childhood both of us that's just been helpful and things that we have done um try even just trusted mentors like people who are older than me that are not family members have helped me process um trusted friends my husband um yeah and I agree with you my daughter Blair that just watching her learning about like how to parent her and how I want to parent her seeing her grow up and the experiences she's having, it's definitely making me like reflect back on experiences I have. Um, and it sparked some conversations with, Mm -hmm. you know, my, you know, family members and other friends that I know, um, who are parents and trying to navigate that. And so, um, 
yeah, I've found a lot of like healing and being able to like read and journal, um, being out in nature. Those are been things that are really just like helped me in the midst of like the really heavy emotional days. Um, I, I think healthy boundaries has been a big one for me mm-hmm. as I've been processing, um, certain dynamics and relationships. Uh, and I think too, just like creating space and time to be able to just feel what I need to feel right. about all of it. I don't think that it's, you know, back to our point of like, mm-hmm. you have to be in the right place and time to like do this kind of stuff, to think about it, to explore it. Um, and sometimes it's just not the right time. And I think it right. is like, as my therapist is helping me see, it is very helpful to just shelve it sometimes because mm-hmm. you don't need to like add it into the mix of other right. things. But at the same time, I've, I'm learning that like when it does come up, like, and I just need to cry to just cry and just yeah. let it come. Yeah. So I think one thing that I want to say about just kind of our overall, again, purpose in talking about this, why we think it's valuable. Um, I would say, I think if it's going on in your head, I think it it does inform us who we are today. And if you're trying to process any part of life that you don't understand or who you are as a person, um, I think it could be helpful to, to look back and revisit or ask questions or um, to just process memories. But I, I do hope that we kind of came across as as reflecting on experiences that may have been negative or for sure were negative, but also positive because and right. like what made us who we are today, it, you know, and I just think that stuff can look so vastly different, right? Like I I can I can look at my experience and say, okay, we, I was largely unmonitored with a bunch of kids and say, oh, that's a negative. But for me, that quite frankly was a positive and, and even experiences that I had in those environments that were maybe not age appropriate. I think it added extreme value in a positive way to my life for certain aspects. Right. So like maybe some memories are negative or challenging or experiences that you had, but they had or you can see some sort of positive reflection. So I hope overall, you know, our our processing didn't come across as like, all right, we got to like drudge up all the negative things that we experienced in our childhood that have been difficult for us to process and have like messed up our adult selves, you know, like that's not, <laughs> that's definitely not how we view it. And that's definitely right. not, like I think how we wanted to come across. So, um, so for sure that, like, I think that's more what we're talking about. So as we end, I think some, we just want to kind of encourage you guys, if you're interested to kind of process, um, your own childhood in certain ways, good and bad. Um, if that's something that has been difficult for you in the past, or if you're just struggling with like certain aspects of your adult life, and don't know how to process them. Um, I think for both of us, journaling has been super helpful. Um, and I was, I, you're a writer. I'm not even a writer. I, it's just, I'm such a 
if I don't have an outlet to process, like with someone writing things down can be extremely helpful. So potentially give that a go. Um, if you have family members or childhood friends to talk to, um, we would, I think that we've found that to be helpful. Again, I don't have a parent, so friends and, you know, just people around me have been helpful to process those things. Um, therapy, I think we both have found to be helpful even if it's just to process one thing, like for me, yeah. I don't think I'm like, I'm in therapy right now and I'm not going to process like my entire childhood and just yeah. like go in with a blank slate. Like I'm not like, okay, well, tell me what's wrong with me and what happened. I think I'm like, no, this one thing has been a struggle. Help me figure that out because yeah. I can't. Because like maybe journaling or talking to friends or family member isn't helping that. Um, so that could be helpful. And then um, Becca, you do a lot of the exploring of books and podcast stuff probably more than I do. Yeah, I I mean, I don't want to like give a big list. So if anyone wants more recommendations, just like hit us up. We would love to give your recommendations, but one in particular, which we've mentioned before, um, is a podcast that's been super helpful for us. Um, and it relates to like kind of processing childhood. Um, it's called the place we find ourselves and mm -hmm. it's hosted by a guy named Adam Young and he's a psychotherapist and he has a lot of episodes that touch on childhood and trauma and grief and how do we how do we explore our story and our past and how is that affecting us today in the present and how can we appreciate it how can we mm -hmm. grow in the midst of it and we both have just found so much help and i would say resources mm -hmm. too just by listening to yeah. that so definitely check out that podcast um yeah. And just to kind of circle back to what I was saying earlier, I think that there's there's so much from our past that we carry. There's so many pieces, both known and unknown, that we carry into the present. Um, I'm a firm believer that healing doesn't just happen to you. It's something mm -hmm. that you have to put effort and time mm -hmm. into. Mm -hmm. um, and it does take time, but it also can't happen in isolation. Um, right. That's been a huge kind of, you know, reality check for me is that I can't heal on my own as much as my independent perfectionist self wants to do it on my own. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I can, I have to have uh, a support system around me to heal. So, yeah. Well, thanks for listening. And um, yeah, take a, take a listen at our previous podcast episodes if you're interested in, um, I mean, they kind of inform this one. I'm such a linear thinker in how we plan this out. Mm -hmm. It was intentional because yeah. we talked about friendships and how those dynamics have informed who we are. We've talked about community and how that's informed us. And now I think those two things build off. Like Becca and I have been able to get into this a little bit for ourselves because we have these relational dynamics, this family, I'm sorry, friends and um, 
community. And so Mm -hmm. uh, we would just encourage you guys to, you know, explore that a little bit for yourselves if you're interested. And um, please reach out to us if you have any other thoughts um, or recommendations. Like we love to listen to podcasts and read books and stuff. So, and we, we don't have all the, the references and resources. So um, thanks for listening and we'll catch you in our next episode. We hope that you enjoyed this episode and feel inspired to continue the discussion with the people in your life. If you like our podcast, be sure to give us a rating. We'd love to hear your thoughts and perspectives, even if you disagree with us. So reach out to us on Instagram at everything but small talk pod. New episodes go live every Friday. So we hope you will tune in next time. Thank you so much for listening.